Welcome to this week's edition of Reading Beijing, where we talk about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. I'm Bill Figueroa, your very own Bill in the China Shop, and I'm here today with Guy Burton, author of the book China and Middle East Conflicts, Responding to War and Rivalry from the Cold War to the Present, uh, and who's taught at several universities around the world, uh, government, policy, and international politics. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about ongoing developments uh, in China's response to the war on Gaza, especially now that a ceasefire has been declared without the assistance of Beijing. Guy, it's great to have you back again. Well, well thank you for having me. Yeah, always, always good to have you. Um, so, as the dust settles for now in Gaza, U.S. and Chinese officials both set out to criticize the response of the other. The White House seems content for now with the major role it played in negotiating the fragile ceasefire that continues to hold, and portray the Chinese diplomacy as no more than a bunch of hot air. Meanwhile, the Chinese press continues to attribute blame for the incident to U.S. policy to begin with and pointing out the regional impact, including the ways in which the U.S. position appears weaker as a result. But while Biden tries to turn up the heat on scrutinizing Chinese investments in the region and keeping the Chinese out, Beijing continues to deepen its commitments in the Gulf with new developments and announcements in Iraq and Iran. So Guy, I just wanted to, to start off by asking you to sort of just walk us through What's China's role been in the conflict so far, and how do you understand its approach and its strategy and how it's responded to what's been going on? Well, thanks, Bill. I mean, my impression of how China's been responding since October the 7th really has been largely at a distance. Um, when the attack took place, of course, it was a surprise attack. It, sh it shocked many in the international community. And in some respects, the Chinese responded quite late to that, which I think upset uh, the Israeli leadership and some in in, in uh, the Israeli society that engage with China. Um, and they did not come out condemning Hamas uh, as many of the Western governments did. Uh, they did later on in the week uh, start to talk, to talk about uh, blame, bl blame on both sides, uh, but they've been pretty much trying to uh, manage or sort of sit on the fence or maintain a balance between you know, sort of the Israelis and the Palestinians over the last uh, few weeks. Um, obviously, they don't have any direct connections or contacts with, with Hamas. Yes, they have met with them, uh, representatives of Hamas in the past, but generally um, China's uh, principal Point, uh, points of contact with the Palestinians have been primarily through the Palestinian Authority, you know, the Fatah faction that controls it. And of course, the Palestinian Authority doesn't really have much to say or do in relation to what's going on in Gaza at the moment. Um, of course, you know, China has been present as a member of the U UN Security Council. So there were attempts you know, during the first few weeks to try and, uh, you know, pass a resolution to halt the fighting. Uh, that broke down because uh, broadly you had Western countries and particularly the United States on one side uh, opposed to using the word ceasefire and the Russians and the Chinese on the other saying that this is what we want. Um, eventually that then led to a UN uh, resolution being passed at the General Assembly, which of course is not binding. Had it been done in the Security Council, it would have been binding. So, you know, the, the fracture, the split in uh, the Security Council is one thing which the Chinese have been present in. But also, of course, this month, the Chinese have been you know, uh, president of the Security Council. So they have been uh, you know, leading the agenda, as it were. So, of course, they're going to be visible on the world stage. Um, but they've really played very little role in terms of you know, some of the, the key things, like, for example, the current uh, truce that's been happening, which has allowed for the exchange of hostages. All of that's pretty much happened 
without the Chinese being involved. And it's, that's actually quite striking because if you remember, and I'm sure we'll talk about it later, you know, earlier this year, the Chinese were uh, very prominent and present in brokering an agreement between Iran and Saudi Arabia. Uh, and there was also of you know, following that, quite a lot of buzz within the media as to whether the Chinese were now going to become, you know, a, a force for mediation in the Middle East. Uh, and there was even the former foreign minister was talking up China's possibilities of doing that on Israel and Palestine. And as we've seen now, six, seven months later, that's obviously not happened. I think very much it's the case that China is very much a bystander to what's going on. I also think, as you alluded to, you know, a lot of China's language is 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 really mediating their sort of rivalry with the United States. So I think we need to see China's approach to uh, the Israel-Hamas war as on a number of different levels. Obviously, there's what's happening on the ground, but also, you know, China's taking into account both its partners in the wider uh, Middle East, including Arab countries where there's considerable outrage and anger at what's going on. And at the same time, uh, you know, I don't taking um, acknowledging sort of the American position as a backer of Israel. So, you know, seeing uh, the Israel-Hamas war as one in which, you know, it can have a bit of a pot shot at the Americans. Yeah, yeah. You brought up, you know, um, the this notion that, you know, that China has been spearheading this kind of uh, 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 wave of reconciliation, I, I think, is the phrase that Wang Yi loves to, to throw around. Uh, you know, he never quite directly says that it's the result of China, but he strongly implies it by bringing up it mm. and bringing it up in the same same breath as uh, talking about the, the Saudi-Iran deal that you mentioned. Um, yeah, it's also been really striking to me that the, a lot of the discussion around this, as you mentioned, you know, China had that initial uh, 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 response of, of kind of, of being, you know, uh, what, what the Israelis in the United States basically considered to be insufficiently supportive of Israel, you know, basically not condemning Hamas enough. And, mm. you know, over time, as you said, kind of inching into even, you know, some modest criticism of, uh, of of Israel and its response. I think they were they've started saying repeatedly, you know, that it's gone gone beyond self defense and and calling on Israel uh, to to end the, the to end its, uh, its its military activities in Gaza. Uh, and and, and so I, I've I found it very interesting. You know, a lot of people say that this is uh, a, a very like pro Palestine position, but I've I found it to be you know, kind of striking that it's really only pro-Palestine in contrast to the United States, right? Mm, and how yeah. much the United States has thrown itself, its, its weight behind Israel. As you said, they weren't even willing to use the word ceasefire. Um, mm. And so I'd be interested in your view, you started talking about this a little bit, um, you know, this week, things look very different. Um, you know, you listen to US officials, and it's not so much, you know, we want China to temper Iran, or we're worried about how much the the, uh, you know, Arab countries are looking to China, it's it's a little bit more like sitting back and kind of saying, you know, I, I think that the uh, uh, Jack Kirby said, we're comfortable with our position in the Middle East right now, we're comfortable with our ability to negotiate with our allies. He was emphasizing that, you know, Biden was personally involved in, in these uh, negotiations uh, for the ceasefire. And, you know, he doesn't have to say it. Uh, but if you're looking at it through the lens of, you know, China's diplomacy in the region by comparison, well, there was certainly no direct involvement by Xi Jinping. And, you know, uh, as, as you discussed, or as you mentioned, like all of these initiatives that they that they brought in, including uh, Jai Jun kind of crisscrossing the Middle East a couple of weeks ago, you know, it didn't even really make headlines in the region. Um, mm -hmm. So, so looking at it from that perspective of it, if, if it's not really about the weight of Chinese diplomacy, and even the seriousness with which 
you know, the, uh, 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 countries in the Middle East were taking that. How does it look through the prism of, of kind of U.S.-China relations? You know, um, if you could just talk a little bit about that. Well, sure. I mean, so, I mean, you've captured a lot of the things that I might have said, so it's great that you did it instead. But, you know, talking about thinking about, you know, the US-China rivalry in the Middle East more generally, I mean, there is, there has been this sort of fear, I think, you know, probably more amongst policymakers, you know, within the beltway that, you know, if the Americans, you know, pull out and, you know, sort of pivot to Asia, which has been sort of the, the great ambition since at least Obama, um, that they're going to leave the Middle East open to to China because it will just there will be a vacuum that the Chinese will somehow uh, fill, and I'm not sure that that's exactly accurate. Um, you know, certainly it's the case that yes, Chinese influence influence and presence has grown in the region. You know, over the last you know 15 to 20 years, but it's been primarily an economic one, right? I mean, if you think about the Belt and Road Initiative, uh, which I think has been the way that a lot of this relationship has been framed, um, a lot of it's been sort of directed towards you know sort of. Uh, developing, you know, sort of helping, you know, boosting connectivity, infrastructure, construction, uh, you know, boosting markets for for more Chinese investment and activity to take place. Um, it's not really, you know, had a sort of a military corollary to all of that. I mean, certainly there has been the development of a port. Um, your memory will remind me. It's uh, I think it's in. Um, uh, in, on the east coast of Africa, in the Horn of Africa. Oh, I'm talking about the, the port in Djibouti. Yeah, the yeah, very, Djibouti, very small you, military you. base. Yeah. yeah. And then there's also some other plans to build ports uh, like in Chabahar and places like that. Exactly. Yeah. But other than that, I mean, you know, the Chi Guadar, China, China, China's presence in militarily or as a security guarantor is pretty weak, pretty feeble. I mean, even if you think about, you know, those places where it has, uh, you know, major investments um, in Iraq, for example, uh, it does not have a strong uh, presence on the ground in terms of private security contractors. So it relies more on, you know, domestic uh, Iraqi forces to, to provide support. So, for example, when you look back to sort of the, you know, the ISIS, you know, sweeping over back in, in, in 2014, um, you know, there was really no, you know, the Chinese weren't really in a position to to push back on, all, on any of that. And if you think about sort of more broadly, um, you know, when you've, you've seen sort of uh, the, uh, the, the chaos that's unleashed by the uprisings, whether it was in Libya in 2011 or in Yemen, you know, after the Saudi uh, military campaign began in 2015, you know, the, prim the primary Chinese response was to basically cut and run. I mean, the they basically focused on evacuating their their nationals and 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 interests. So, you know, this idea that the Chinese are really going to sort of replace the United States as sort of the the, the regional security guarantor is 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 a debatable one. I would suggest. Yeah, yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. You know, you hear a lot about about that these days, but I, I've always said it's you know it's not clear that China has either the capacity or even the will to mm -hmm. do that. Yeah, especially yeah. if you look about look at the way that they're talking about the United States and the role that uh, it's played in in the Israel Gaza conflict. You know, they're basically saying that well, look, this is the result of you know thirty years of the U.S. backing. Israeli policy, and that's mm. led to uh, some sort of blowback, basically, um, and that it's 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 damaging U.S. interests in, in many different ways, from exposing U.S. military positions uh, to uh, to attack. Uh, you know, they're dealing with a lot more activity than they were previously, uh, but also just damaging U.S. Uh, prestige in the region. Yeah. Um, but uh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 and that's actually something I think that's that's sometimes lost in this conversation about you know. You mentioned sort of the Chinese not having the capacity or the will to do this, and also I think flip it round. You know, if even if they did have the capacity or the will to do it, and it didn't 
and they didn't succeed, you know, what does that say about, you know, Chinese credibility or prestige? So it's actually a lot easier uh, for China, and they're not alone in all of this, right? So if you think about is the Israel-Palestinian conflict, most other countries do this, which is basically say, this is terrible, and they have, they have you know, strong rhetoric, but they don't actually do very much. There's there's very little in terms of taking political, ac- you know, practical action. You know, say for example, the Chinese really were uh, opposed to Israel's actions in, in in Gaza. I mean, they have significant investments in that country in Israel, which they could um, pull out of or put pressure on pri- on their private sector companies to do to pull out of. Uh, but they haven't done that, and so I know that there is you know, in Israel a certain degree of distrust of the Chinese position. And you're right, what you said earlier about the Chinese. Um, at least, you know, by comparison to the United States, seeming more pro-Palestinian. But that's obviously because the the, the Chinese support the, the peace, you know, the the Middle East peace process, which is effectively frozen. But you know, and they've also talked, to, and they do kind of align with the Palestinian position of opening up that process. You know, making sure that it's not just the Americans who are the third party mediator in all of this. And of course, that goes against the Israelis, who have a very good deal just having you know the United States as as the mediator. Uh, if you open it up, then of course you open up all the possibilities of all these other actors like the Chinese to say, okay, you know, now you have to make concessions. And so you can understand why the Israelis are a little bit skeptical of of the Chinese when it comes to diplomatic maneuverings. Um, but also, you know, as I as I come back to the point I was making earlier, you know, there is a real risk for the Chinese to actually. Uh, take on a more active role as a mediator because if it doesn't work out it damages your credibility and your prestige yeah and you know one thing i've noticed is that as a result of this um if you look at the bigger picture of chinese uh engagement and diplomacy in the region it doesn't seem to have changed very much as you said they could have pulled out of investments in israel they haven't um they've all you know the the united states has also repeatedly been calling on china to put pressure on Iran to become uh, to 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 not support, for example, uh, its various proxy networks that that may be uh, uh, potentially could uh, uh, escalate the conflict further. They also haven't done that. Um, things really just look like business as usual. Uh, I think that they they announced a new China Iraq Chamber of Commerce. Uh, they've announced new investments in Iran. Uh, so I, I'm. Has China really been hurt by any of this? Does the fact that China wasn't at the table, that the negotiations happened between Oman and the United States and Israel, because that's what Israel wanted, because as you said, they, they've done quite well with having the United States as, as a negotiating partner. You know, what's the downside for China? Is there one? But but can I but can I just come into that? Because I mean, there was of course the the recent meeting between Biden and Xi, and certainly Israel and Israel Hamas war came up, and I think there was some at least some conversations around you know what could, could the Chinese say in relation to Iran, and so in that sense, China does have a value as a middleman, right? Because right. It, and, and, and this is not just un, uh, unique to Iran. I mean, this has happened in other other part, regional tensions and conflicts. Say, for example, in Darfur back in 2004 to six, you know, you had the Chinese in the in between the Americans and the West on one side and basically their regional partner, whether it was Sudan or in this case, Iran. And so, and, and actually China's done this previously. So back in 2013 to 15, when the JCPOA was ori- originally negotiated, the Chinese were there, you know, to... You know, talk the talk to the Iranians. Of course, they didn't set the agenda. They they were but they were in those talks between the U.S. on one side and Iran on the other. So in that sense, China can be a useful uh, player, but it's not like they are initiating 
these uh, these talks or initiating these these mediation attempts? You know, you asked me before when we were talking, and I just want to ask you while we're here again: Do you ever just feel like we're we're just like party poopers, or or just being sore <laughs> losers talking about this all the time? Well, China didn't really initiate it, you know. <laughs> no. I mean, you know, but you can understand. I mean, it's it's sort of China is the flavor of the month, isn't it? So, it is. and that's what and that's what people want to talk about. I bet I think also one of our colleagues as well, Jonathan Fulton. You know, he's he he came out a, a few weeks ago. Say, you know, obviously a specialist on China and the Middle East, and he was saying it's it's quite striking how. You know, it's almost whereas a few years ago, people were going, "Oh, China!" It's or, or the media would say, "Come to him and say, oh, it's interesting. Can you tell, talk to us about China?'" But it's almost now China is accepted; it's part of the international conversation uh, when it comes to the Middle East. It's just, you know, it's not quite the uh, the power, or, or or it doesn't behave in quite the way that is assumed. At least, uh, maybe because the West, you know, Western powers in the past have operated in a very kind of you know perfunctory way. Um, I think the Chinese approach is just a little bit more nuanced or it's a little bit more ambiguous. And so it just requires a little bit better explanation. Absolutely. And it's certainly kind of becoming default part of the conversation now, as mm. you said. And that's, I think more than anything else, that is really the most interesting change that yeah. whether or not China is as influential as people say that it, or think that it is. And I think people have reasons on both sides, right, to exaggerate mm. and to portray China as either the scary, you know, enemy that's coming in to sweep up and, and take away our position in the Middle East, or as the, uh, some, some outside power that can come and shake things up in the Middle East if you think that the balance of the, the, the status quo is, is not to your, to your benefit, right? So the reality is certainly somewhere in the middle, but mm, but the yeah. real the real difference is that China is now an accepted part of Middle East politics, uh, and I don't think that's going to be going anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, so thank you very much yeah. for being with us today, Guy. Uh, that concludes our edition of Reading Beijing, where we talked about the political and strategic implications of China's role in the Middle East and the wider world. Reading Beijing is part of the Pursue Media Minutes podcast series, which you can find on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Amazon Music. Uh, I think Guy also has a podcast these days. Isn't that right, Guy? I do, although it's got nothing to do with China, although we occasionally <laughs> speak about it. So, we, I mean, I have an interest in football or soccer for, for American listeners. and so, But we're interested in sort of the politics, the, the interplay between politics and, and, and football, whether it's sort of like big P stuff, you know, great powers, you know, sort of state politics, obviously Saudi Arabia, uh, but also small stuff. So small P, community politics, what have you. So, yeah, if, you get, if, you're, if you're interested, do, do come along and have a listen. We're, we're called the Football podcast that's football f-o-o-t-p-o-l i'm willing to bet that a good number of the people that might listen to this podcast have an interest somewhere at the nexus of sports and politics yeah. so uh yeah please check that out uh Persu media minutes uh offers podcasts of selected Persu media analysis on iran china and the mina region uh Persu media itself provides media research open source intelligence analysis and ai driven analytics as well as strategic communication consultancy you can find out more about on the Pursue Media website, pursuemedia.com, uh, or on LinkedIn and Twitter under at Pursue Media. Until next time, my name is Bill Figueroa. As always, you're a Bill in the China shop, and this has been Reading Beijing.